Morning, church. Come on, church. Good morning, church. Why don't you turn to the person to your left and say, you're looking mighty fine. It's good to see you. It's good to see you in the house of God today. It's good to see a few more people filling out the pews of this building. It's been a bit empty for a while. Um, it's great to see you back. It's great to have you back. My name's Luke. Uh, I'm a member of Jubilee Church. My wife, Kudzi, is somewhere floating about in this building with my amazing two boys, Judah and Joshua. Um, I've got a warning before I start today. Um, I've got something that I feel God has laid on my heart for you today that is precious. Um, it's both delicate and forceful, okay? Um, it's going to expose you. And when we're exposed, sometimes that makes us feel vulnerable. But I want you to know that I'm going to get vulnerable with you too. And we're in this journey together. This was a sermon that I prepared and I'm preaching to myself. So it's easy for me to stand here and talk to you about this. Um, but we're going to go on a journey because Christianity is a journey. And we've heard already uh, about a transformation and someone meeting Jesus and you've already been invited uh, to accept Jesus uh, this morning. Um, and that's the start of the journey, but it's not the final destination. Okay? Um, it's the very beginning. Um, to say, do you know what? I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you were fully man and fully God and that you gave your life on a cross that I could live, that I could have eternal life. That's something we accept through faith, and we're going to talk a bit more about that today um, and what that means. Uh, we've heard about hope and we've heard about faith today. Uh, those that contributed, thank you, because you've teed this up, so I know God's in this. Um, but before I do that, I'm just going to recap a bit, because last week we started this teaching series on the book of James, uh, and Dan came and gave an amazing word. I thought it was really good. Did anyone else? Yeah? yeah. yeah? Re really good. Um, he gave us a bit of a background on the book of James. He told us who James was, that he was Jesus' brother, uh, and he was also a church leader. He was kind of the head of the church of Jerusalem, so he had a big, a big job and a big task. Um, but do you know what I really heard last week as Dan preached was that as Christians, we're going to see trials, we're going to see tests, we're going to see difficulties, but it's Jesus' promise to, uh, to give us a hope that helps us stay the course. Okay, so Jesus, prom Jesus promises, give us hope to stay the course. Okay, Hebrews 6.19 describes hope. It says this, hope is an anchor for the soul. Now, if you do a quick Google search, you'll find that an anchor does multiple things. One thing it does is it holds a ship in place. It stops it drifting to where it's not meant to be. But if you've got a big ship, I found this out, 
You can put your anchor out to create drag to turn quickly and to maneuver the ship, yeah? Um, to make sure that you can stay on the right course if you need to get out of the way of something. And I found that quite interesting. If we have our hope in the Word of God and in the promises of God, our soul is literally anchored to His will. Okay? We're able to remain connected to Him and His purpose and His plan and His provision for our life here on earth and in heaven. Yeah? Hope anchors us. Dan went on to say, that once we've stayed the course and endured through the trial, we will receive the promise of God for salvation. And we've talked about that, haven't we, today? Um, About salvation and what that means to enter into a relationship with Jesus, accepting his gift of life that's free, that can't be earned. Um, Romans uh, 5, 3 to 4, Paul writes this. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character produces hope. Yeah? Perseverance, sorry, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope, the anchor for the soul. Yeah? It steers our soul, it holds us on course. I've already said, but if our hope is in the promises of God for our lives here on earth and in heaven, our soul will literally be held to that perfect will of God. Our job then is to just maintain the chain, yeah? To make sure that we don't have too much slack, to make sure that we remain close. This is what I had as Dan was preaching last week. Today, I'm going to teach you about listening and doing. Yeah? In my Bible, that's what these group of verses are entitled. Listening and doing. And the passage of Scripture we heard was James 1, 19 to 27. If you've got your Bible, I just encourage you to leave it open there so that you can uh, draw reference as I talk to you today. Before I start, I need to lay down a foundation because we need to understand what listening is. I found a definition that I liked. I love a definition. (laughs) The act of hearing intently. Okay, listening is the act, it's an action of hearing intently. You see, anyone can hear, but not all can discern or interpret what they hear. In today's context, we're gonna be talking about listening to God, his purposes, his promises, and his guidance for our lives. And the call that he has set out specifically for us. What does James say? Says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James starts with this. He says, take note of this. He's urging us 
to listen to what he's about to say. He wants to grab our attention. Have I got your attention today? Be quick to listen. Often the Bible suggests we should wait upon God. Yeah? Who's heard that? Wait on God. That's important. But this says, be quick to listen. Because the Bible so often suggests we wait on God, the idea of being quick and hurrying to listen is sometimes missed. I know I'd missed it when I'd read the book of James. I'm glad that I found it. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to share some of my story today uh, in, in amongst us. I hope that's all right. You're all a bit quiet. <laughs> you must be listening. <laughs> yeah? Um, that idea of hurrying to listen is sometimes missed. But it's really important. It's so important to listen. Rick Warren, a Christian minister and an author, he, he states that kindness often begins with listening. He goes further. He says this, If sensitivity of others' needs begins with your eyes, then sympathy for their hurt begins with your ears. Sympathy for their hurt begins with your ears. You see, anyone can open their eyes and see need. Just look at the news. Just look at all the people that are struggling with this and that. Just go out into our city in Hull and you don't have to walk very long before you would see someone in need. Anyone can see need. They can see need in a multitude of arenas, yet not be moved to act. But when they hear and when they listen to the people's hurt in that place of need, something happens. They become positioned to be moved by compassion, to act and do something to fill the need that they see. I worked in a rehab for six years in Portsmouth, and people used to come to us for three months at a time. And we detoxed them off heroin and all sorts of other drugs and alcohol, using medicine and We'd take them through a recovery program, and we'd talk to them, and time and time again, and I already knew this from my own story, I found that drugs and alcohol weren't this, these people's problem. They were their solution to how they felt. And we'd see people come through this program, and they'd do really well. And they'd get to the end of their three months, and they'd be absolutely buzzing about going home clean and sober to their family. Some of them had made really good connections with their family while they were in rehab and they reconnected with loved ones that hadn't spoke to them in years. They'd leave the rehab and a month later they'd come back through the front door in a worse condition than the first time they came. And my heart broke. Whew. My heart broke because I heard their hurt 
and their frustration. And I saw what they wanted and what they'd hoped for and what they'd aspired to do when they got out of this place with their life. And then I saw the brokenness of them when they came back in and sat down thinking, how have I ended up here again? I promised that was the last time. You see, I was positioned at that point to be moved by compassion to do something. We set up Inside Out Rehab. Yeah? I sat there, an audacious 20-something-year-old, saying, I'm going to set up a Christian rehab. Yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide housing to people that leave this place, and I'm, I'm going to create something that fills the gap, that gives them a bit longer, uh, a bit of a step down from full uh, involvement with workers to, um, to nothing. I'm going to put something, a stepping stone in the middle, and I'm going to fill it with the love of God, and I'm going to tell people uh, the reason that they cannot find uh, the thing they're looking for in drugs is because the thing they need is Jesus, the love of God. You see, as Christians or followers of Jesus, how much more are we called to be moved into action in that way? There's people that don't know God that are moved by compassion to do amazing things, but we are called to a higher standard, okay? James urges us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I don't know about you, but I know that sometimes I've become angry and frustrated. My wife would likely agree with me that when I find myself in that place, I'm not a very good listener. Okay? In fact... If I was frustrated or angry and you came to speak to to me, I might already decide what you're about to say, completely miss what you're going to say, and one, but normally both of us, would end up hurt. Yeah? Feeling offended. James understood that. And therefore, the importance to be slow in speech and anger so that we can listen to God. And then, having listened, we would be positioned to be moved by compassion to fulfill the needs with sin. But how do you hear from God? (laughs) Yeah. It's my firm belief and experience that the Bible is God's living word. Yeah. It's God's living word. That when I apply it to my life, it brings change to the way I think and the things that I do. Before I knew about the word of God in the Bible, um, the things I did was lots of substances. And when I found out about the word of God and the love of God, my thinking and beliefs and behaviors changed. It will transform your life. I also hear through God through other people, though. Through pastors. Go on, Dan. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, I hear it through uh, words of knowledge. Through 
my own conscience. I believe my conscience is God-given. I hear it through other Christian literature, books that I read, and I hear God when I pray. It wasn't always like that, though. That wasn't the case. In fact, I used to wonder how you could hear from God and how would you know if you'd heard from God. I'd often ask other people how they heard from God and listen to their response to see that I was doing it right. I'd ask, how can I be sure that it's God that I'm hearing? But the more I journey with God, the more I realize that when he speaks to me, he often gives me just enough for certainty. Uh, Just enough for clarity, sorry. But never quite enough for certainty. And I believe the reason he speaks to me like that is to promote faith. If I heard from God and had 100% certainty all the time about every little inch of how something was going to look, I would not need faith. We've already heard that the only way to please God is through faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. You see, if I hear God speak to me concerning a matter, but I fail to apply faith, there will be no substance, and I will remain with delayed hope. Last week, Dan reminded us of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, which warns us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Who wants their longing fulfilled? Yeah, it's okay to agree. (laughs) James says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, God's word is already implanted in you. Before you lived one day on this earth, God implanted his word and his laws into your heart. If we listen to the pain God experiences when he hears the hurt of his people crying out to him, and we allow it to move us through compassion, we will become doers of the word. 100% guarantee you that. I believe what James means is a person should give weight to what they hear God saying and do it. In my life, that means making room for God to speak. It means intentionally giving time to step away from the noise of the world and near to him through prayer, worship, and study. I'm not often 100% well balanced in this, the people that know me well. Uh, will know that I probably am very heavily in one of the camps that I'm about to speak about. Okay, I want to address two types of person in this church today, and I guarantee you will fall into one type. Okay, the first group we're going to call the doers, 
And the second group, we're going to call the listeners, the doers. These people, and this is where I sit, these people, they see need and they're moved to outpour what they've received from God to meet those needs. Sounds good, right? But they leave long periods of time between their doing and their listening. They have at best a trickle of an inlet from God and at worst, they couldn't tell you the last time they turned off social media, put down their phone and technology, opened the Bible and read the word of God. Do you know there's a survey uh, on the Church of England reporting that 60% of all their attendees, when answered, how often do you read your Bible, answered never. Yeah. This person, the doer, they're going to live on the edge of burnout. They're going to become easily frustrated. I've just looked up and looked in the wrong direction because I've seen Sue laughing at me. <laughs> if it was a war scenario, they're the infantry member that's rushed ahead without listening to the order to wait. They found themselves in no man's land, surrounded by enemy, with no one else from their own team around them, cursing them all because they didn't keep up. If that's you today, I'm not here to condemn you, all right? Like I said, this message I feel is something precious, but it's also got some hard-hitting punchlines to it, and it hit me as I went through it and studied for it. Group two, the listeners. This is by far the majority of Christians that I see today who through their expert use of research can proficiently navigate their Bible apps, podcasts, worship music, and a broad array of online sermons. They can find them from a multitude of global churches. They have what can only be described as a library of Christian literature and have read every page. Some even spend large portions of time in prayer and fasting and they'll have the answers to most of your theological questions. They love to debate different theologies and theories based on their research. Sounds good again. But when the request for meeting the needs of the marginalized by society or to meet the needs of the nations or to simply arrive early at church, get involved in a prayer meeting, be part of a hosting team, sign up for the media team, go out on outreach, get involved in Explorers, our children's work. They're rarely seen. And at best, they're inconsistent. I'm not here to condemn you either. You see, we need balance. As I said, I've probably spent most of my time in the doers camp. Until recently, I've been on a journey the last 18 months, (laughs) but until recently I was often running on empty, burnt out and disgruntled as I looked over my shoulder on the battlefield of life to see very few people from Team Jesus uh, nearby. 
It had the potential to bring such division. God doesn't want division in his church. He wants unity. I realized that I would see amazing people who had a really firm and solid foundation. They knew the word of God. They heard from God. They were great intercessors. uh, And they weren't with me. And I thought, where are they? They're missing the point. There's people out there that are broken that need us to go and do. And where are they? I used to really struggle with it. But then I realized, just as I am unevenly yoked to doing, they were unevenly yoked to listening. Both groups of people are seeking God. Both groups of people are being intentional about their faith. Both groups of people are taking territory for the kingdom of God. See, if you go to an outreach event without someone intercessing, you lose something. Yeah? Phil agrees. He's been there. Yeah? I've been there. I've been there where we've set up a, a group and I've turned up having not prayed at all and no one else has turned up. Yeah? Or someone's turned up and it's been an absolute nightmare. Um, it's just been really hard work, like pushing water up a hill. Uh, we've had all the most difficult questions asked of us. Yeah? Um, I've had that happen to me in my life. If you go and you do and you haven't got that intercession and that person listening to God behind you, if you've not balanced yourself like that, you're going to miss something. But if you intercede in prayer and you study the word of God and you listen to God intently and, and you do all those things and you never go, you never demonstrate the power and authority Jesus gave you to operate in this world when he said, go in my name. John 14, 12 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And that meant we got a helper, right? The Holy Spirit. Going and doing the same work Jesus did is our mandate as Christians. If you're weighed more towards being a listener, and I make no apology for saying this, it's time to balance your inlet with an outlet. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yeah? We were orphans. We've been adopted into the family of God. Yeah, that's who we're going for. If I didn't go, if I didn't say, having been moved by compassion, I'm going to put myself on the line and set up inside out, 
I wouldn't have seen hundreds of people come through those doors of Inside Out and through recovery courses and have seeds of God's word planted in their lives and not all have made uh, great decisions even when given that opportunity, but some have. And we've had people that have done horrendous things as they've left our properties um, and we thought, man, God, what, what are you doing in that person's life? And then we've had an email four years later saying that actually that stuff you sowed into my life, it bore fruit. I'm saved now. I'm married to a worship leader and I'm serving in Patel Rehab in Spain. I got an email like that a few years back. It absolutely blessed me because that person left us in full relapse. Yeah. But we planted seeds. We don't make them grow. God makes them grow. If you're a doer, I know we have a lot of these here at Jubilee. I want to say to you this morning, it's time to listen to God. I'm not talking generically. I'm talking right now. It's time to listen to God. I want to just invite the worship team just to come back uh, because we're going to give you an opportunity if this is you. Would you allow yourself to hear the heart of God through my voice this morning? Just close your eyes. Trust me, I'm not going to come and draw on your face. I've left my pen at home. If you're the doer, If you're the person that's gone hard after God, yeah? You're the person who's been showing all the action. You've cried tears over the lost. But you're exhausted. Everything in you may want to quit. Just stay connected with me. You might have laid tools down already. I know I longed for heaven rather than endure the trials of living in full-time ministry and full-time work and full-time family and full-time social. I needed balance. You need balance. Jesus did incredible miracles. But he also spent seasons in prayer, seeking the will of his Father, listening and responded, responding sorry, in a measured and balanced way. If that's you today, if you're in this place, You've dragged yourself here. You may be frustrated, angry, feeling lonely. It's time now as the band begins to play to draw into his presence. You've got a choice today. You can sing words on a screen or you can raise your hands to heaven, open up your heart to God and worship him. Lay down your baggage at the foot of the cross 
and let him restore you. Let him infill you. Let him anoint you. Let him wrap his arms around you as you fall back into grace. If that's you, why don't you stretch out your arms with me to heaven? Father God, we thank you that you're a loving God. And we praise you that you desire our whole life. Father God, that you want us to spend time listening to you and hearing your heartbeat and your desire for our life. Father God, we thank you that you want us to do. You want us to move. You want our faith to do something, to change something in this city, in our families, in our homes, right where we are today. You have a purpose and you're calling us home. If that's you, just stay connected as the band play this song. As you sing along, mean it.